Welcome to the App or Not to App podcast with the app man, Jeremy Callahan, where we talk about why apps are not a luxury item and are essential to your business success. I've been in the mobile industry for over 20 years, and the question I always get is to app or not to app. Definitely, you must app. Mobile apps can help your business reduce costs, increase leads, and reduce manpower. An app is not a luxury item. It's a necessity. So let's get started making you money. Hey, welcome to today's podcast. Special guest, Mike Hardington, and he is the lead developer advocate at Ionic, um, a product that I'm really super high on because I love basically hybrid mobile app technology. And these guys have really taken it to the next level with what they're doing. They got several products. They got Creator. They got Capacitor. Um, Mike, welcome to the show today. How are you? Doing really good. Uh, thank you for having me on here. It's super fun. Yeah. So, how? Like, what is your background? I looked at you. You know, briefly. It looks like you did some design and some mobile app development. How do you become the developer advocate at Ion? Um, a lot of just, Hey, can I have a job? You guys are doing cool stuff. Uh, so like the, the, the actual story is years ago, um, I was in a different career. I was doing some development. I was the only person who knew how to open up an editor and like write stuff. And this was in flash. Yeah. So, <laughs> back, back in the old action script days. Um, did a couple things for my previous employer. Uh, then my boss got an iPad and was like, hey, how come none of this Flash stuff is loading on my iPad? Um, so I decided to learn JavaScript, eventually found this hybrid app landscape, um, built some of my own like little mini apps for the company, found Ionic, really loved what they were doing. This was like 2013, 2014, the beginning. Um, pre 1.0 for Ionic. And then I asked them if they were hiring, joined the team afterwards, and eventually just uh, came into the role of DevRel and sometimes actually writing code and some, most of the time giving talks. Yeah, so you're out and about. Uh, I guess the overall goal is what? Just notoriety on the product and getting people to, to get onto the platform? Um. I mean, in the end, at the end of the day, yeah, but I think a lot of it also has to do with just educating people on, um, you know, JavaScript development, a lot of mobile development practices, like how can you, like one, something I talk about quite a bit is just progressive web apps. And if you're thinking about building progressive web apps, how can you do it in a way, you know, across all these different frameworks and, uh, build something that is going to be compelling, it's going to follow best practices, and just educating people about it. Um, and that's really something that I, I get a lot of, uh, I'm really passionate about is just educating more than just selling. Yeah. Um, and if they happen to like not use Ionic, that's cool because uh, ideas and practices still relate back to what they're doing. And that for me is, you know, super satisfying. Yeah, I, I mean, I dig that education aspect to it because you know, as a former front end guy that became a mobile guy, it just seemed like the community is like so um, focused on like front end frameworks and you know, all this different stuff. It's like, why isn't this community going after mobile in like a, in like a major way? 
because you know we have the capacity to touch it you know in in all these hybrid frameworks and it's like that that's why i really dig what you guys are doing because you're actually saying hey take your front end code take your front end developers and make them mobile um, yeah i mean it it kind of goes back to the idea it's like most of us like most of us at ionic the original team we were all just developers day to day and the tools that didn't exist really that were existed during our kind of like hey during our like before ionic times like they just weren't up to par and they didn't really give us what we wanted so like we built the tools and now it's our job to go out and like hey we're somehow considered experts at this let's try to give back and like educate people it's like here's why you don't want to do this because it's going to be slow and it's going to cause a lot of layout issues so it's kind of like a well now that we've learned all this stuff how can we give back and like teach people yeah yeah and that's that's great um cool so give us a high level just of what ionic is i mean i know there's a lot of parts to it there's creator there's the native plugins there's capacitor just tell everybody about you know how you how you explain it to people so the way i explain it is ionic is a uh framework for building cross-platform apps uh using whatever front-end javascript framework you want to use uh you bring that we bring the ui components and the native interactions uh and you write in that uh framework of choice using our components and our uh native layers and then you ship an app to ios android uh, Electron or to the web as a progressive web app. Yep, yep. And then, and then uh, I know for you know the way I think I originally found you guys was through the uh, through the creator tool because I was like, you know, I was I was doing um, like I do a lot of bids and you know like I guess requests for proposal work for people that need you know apps built, and all of a sudden I found this tool tool a cool tool. <laughs> <laughs> that I could like drag and drop and create a presentation. And when I went to a presentation, I actually had an app to, you know, like a clickable click through app to show people. And uh, that kind of just spun into all the other stuff you guys are doing. So um, what is, uh, give us a, give us a deeper dive into what capacitor is. Cause I know that's kind of the new direction you guys are going now. So yeah, capacitor itself. I think like the best way to describe it is a spiritual successor to Cordova. Like we still follow a lot of the same philosophies of, you know, the web is a good platform and we should be using it as much as we possibly can. Um, but what we want to do is, you know, pre be pretty aggressive about how we updated the platform, the native platform dependencies, uh, interacted with the native projects, um, and just rethinking on how that API should look uh, across all these different platforms. So. At like a really like high level, it's a capacitor API that you interact with when you want to say talk to the camera, Bluetooth, geolocation. And then as you go out, say, and build for iOS, you're going to get the native iOS calls to those uh, specific features. Android's going to get their specific features, and the Electron will get their own specific features, and the same thing for the web. So you don't have to you know, if iOS, if Android, if this, it's the one abstraction that you code against, and it knows how to proxy itself to these different uh, platform APIs. Right. And so when, when you talk about these, uh, 
kind of the native plugins, you know, whether it's geolocation or whatever, a camera, um, those are pretty well built out. Is there, are you guys leading anything as far as, um, as far as the native plugin development or is that just kind of on its own? I mean, we're doing a lot of work with, uh, I think one of the most important ones that we, we did, uh, we spent a significant amount of time working on was the file system API. Mm -hmm. uh, mostly because the API that had, some APIs that had existed beforehand were based on this now defunct uh, web platform feature or a web platform like proposal. Uh, and just what was there didn't really stay up to date or match what we could do, say, if we're familiar with like a node-based approach, like how nodes file system API uh, works. So we did a lot of work in kind of uh, testing out to make sure that if we go about making a file API that follows this protocol and this uh, kind of approach, is this something that developers are going to like? And if yes, how do we how do we make this entire process you know, fairly fairly approachable for most people and simplify a lot of the hoops that they would have had to gone uh, with older implementations? So we spent a lot of time with that file system API. Um, Bluetooth, uh, there's a whole whole slew of plugins that we have on the Capacitor website that my, I'm blanking right now on. But speech we did kit. like- we, we were just using that one the other day. We used your SpeechKit API, so. SpeechKit, yep. Yeah. There's, uh, yeah, there's like what we consider core functionality or core features that you shouldn't have to install a plugin for. Uh, you get those features kind of for free. Um, and then there's, a growing community around third-party services or third-party APIs that uh, we want to encourage and you know help grow and uh, get that community uh, contribution numbers up. Yeah, that out-of-the-box uh, functionality or features is uh, is in-app purchases part of that. That is a very good question. Um, like I said, the uh, the actual list of plugins that we have is uh, slipping right now, but let's see. Da, 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 da. No, we do not have in-app purchases as part of the default, uh, which I, I would agree is not really something that we should get involved because there's a lot of uh, hoops that you have to jump through. Yeah. But, <laughs> I, but I think at some point it does kind of, it does kind of, bring up an interesting point of this is why it's different from Cordova, where in Cordova, everything, if you want to access or interact with the native features, it had to be done through a plugin because right. the native iOS projects and the native Android projects, those could be deleted and blown away and you're just recreating those projects all, all together. So everything had to been set up to work in a plugin that you could just kind of automate like a script. So with the way Capacitor kind of changes that is these native iOS platforms and native Android platforms, these aren't something that you blow away. These get committed to the repo. Uh, there is much of a, as a uh, project type as your, web, as your web code. Yeah. So if you want to go in and set up uh, in-app purchases on say iOS, it's you're setting it up through Xcode, which is probably a, a better approach to handling it than random arbitrary scripts. The, the UI is just so much more easier to, uh, to do that. 
and they are committed to history. So you have all that information and you're not having to uh, have a plugin to manage all that. So you're just setting up, here's my uh, vendor identifier, or yep. vendor identifier key and all the other uh, entitlements that we can add to this project. Right. So that kind of gets into a, uh, leads into a, another area. It's like, so, so you have Ionic capacitor, um, you have capacitor, you do a build. And then when you do that, it actually opens up an Xcode, right? And so, right. and so then once you're in Xcode, you can go in and do a lot of like the native functionality within, within that before. Right. You yeah, it's so like a lot of the problems and like pain points that we would constantly hear is I tried to build from the command line and then I got this arbitrary exit code and I'm not quite sure why. It's like, well, if you open up Xcode, you'd get a pretty clear, you know, oh, yeah. you forgot to sign your app. It's like little things like that. It's like, okay, why are we spending so much time investing in these CLI tools? when the native UIs and the native IDEs kind of solve this for us. It's like, we should just use these native IDEs because they're powerful. They're, you know, they have all the features and tools that we really would want. Um, and they're, they're, they're helpful to us. Like they get us to the point where we're not having to scratch our head and reinvent the wheel three different times for different platforms and different OSs. It's like, Xcode will just say, hey, you forgot to sign your app, dummy. Yeah. Click and do the thing for you. Um, Import versus, your certificate. <laughs> right? It's like versus me trying to like, all right, what does Xcode 65 actually mean? Like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the, uh, the trials and tribulations for guys like you and I who have been doing this since, you know, 2011, where it was like, I, you know, it was just like, the wild west as far as doing a build and trying to figure out or he just just figuring out how to try to test something on a device you know it was like oh yeah i mean the the fact that it's now so much easier to just deploy to uh, like my iphone or android device and just like it's a drop down select versus all right well now i gotta find the device uuid make sure that's centered into my certificate uh like developer portal like it's so it's a night and day difference for uh for testing and deploying to an actual device. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about uh, kind of at that, at that command line, you know, build process. Um, it doesn't matter, right, if I'm using React, Angular, whatever JavaScript framework. Are you guys working across everything now? Yeah, for the most part. Uh, Angular is still like our big user sure. base. Um, and it's where I would argue that we have probably the more complete tool set and integration layers. Uh, React isn't that far behind. We got a beta out recently that has uh, a lot of upgrades working with our CLI integration. So Ionic start my app, dash dash type React. Um, mm -hmm. and you can get like a full, like essentially a create React app uh, project setup, uh, but with Ionic already included and a couple of default setups uh, for like routes, pay, uh, animations, all that kind of work done for you. Uh, for what you've expected, what people expect from like an Ionic project type. Um, and then view support is uh, still beta, but it's coming a little bit more slowly. Figured that having three people split their time between different frameworks might not be the best uh, use of energy. Right. So we kind of taken the approach where it's like, okay, now that Angular is at a good, good place and 
we have pretty much solid support all across the board. Let's focus on React, get that done, and then focus on uh, Vue. And once everything else is like stable and we're not having to split our energy. So is, is Vue, um, is that growing at such a rate that it's gonna be you know, mainstream pretty soon or is it just gonna be React and Angular, do you think? Um, I, it's a, that's a hard question to ask. Uh, I've made several, several, uh, predictions about development. I thought React was going to be dead by the time we hit 2017. Uh, but then Facebook decided they were going to change their licensing. So people were okay with it. Um, I thought Preact was going to be much bigger or much more popular these days that it's still kind of like, well, what's Preact? So right. I, I don't know which one's going to be the uh, which one's going to be the superhero or the famous one well i guess um, i guess the question is it's like how are you do you put all your resources towards something or do you just stick with angular because i mean angular's got the big community right and react we know it's there so i mean it's 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 an interesting you know if we look at it in different ways like if there's something that we can spend a lot of our time on we can work on it. And then we also try to invite and encourage like community collaboration. Like we've had a lot of collaboration with uh, some, some engineers from a company called Modus Create. And they were, you know, really helpful in getting uh, Ionic View uh, up and running and testing it out and building features. So if there's like a, if there's more of a need for something that we're not able to fully invest all of our time in, yeah, we encourage so much collaboration are willing to spend the time to like help you get set up and you know, yeah, we'll meet with you like on a weekly basis, basically to figure out are, is this the right path that you should be going down? Help, help us help you. <laughs> yeah. More or less like it's, Work together, it's right? beneficial for not only us, but for the community It's like, why would we turn down uh, outside help or collaboration? Agree. I was, uh, I, when I was doing in-app purchases and uh, the subscription model, it's like impossible to tell who's subscribing and what the state of a subscription is through, you know, Apple. You got to basically build your own. Yeah. And there was this third party that was out there. I was like, hey, I, I'll, I'll help you guys build it. You guys have a good tool. It just doesn't work with my setup. So, um, so always good to collaborate. So, um, so what's next, man? What do you guys got coming out? You know, what's going on with Ionic? Where, where are we going with all this? So I guess for the foreseeable future, you know, the, ne the next immediate plan is to get Ionic React out and at a, like, a stable release. Um, it's where we've been spending a lot, at least the framework team has been spending a lot of our time uh, and energy getting that out and ready and testing it, just building as many apps as we can to, to try to break it. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, we've been, we've been doing a lot in the developer experience kind of space. Um, you mentioned creator earlier, and uh, we, we've, been, we've been taking a lot of time to figure out how do, we, how do we push creator forward and eventually realize we need to create a new product. Uh, the idea with creator of being able to just drag and drop and have like as much low code, as little as code as possible to like generate an app, that's, yeah goes so far because once you export out you can't really export it back in and expect everything to be understood so we've been working on this product called studio which is uh, again spiritual successor to creator 
where it's a full-blown IDE and editor to, you know, write and code your project if you are more comfortable with uh, HTML, CSS, and TypeScript. Um, and then it also comes with a interface builder, drag and drop theme generator to, um, for getting designers and more of the visually inclined people to uh, take part in that development process and figure out, okay, well, here's our mock-up. Let's get the structure of it figured out first, and then we can start to wire up all the interactions and all the JavaScript. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I remember I, when I was at IBM last year, they had a product, I forget what it was called, but it was, it was, it was a low code solution. It wasn't super good on the, on the UI, but it was good with, uh, basically it was like, you just put all these squares on a page and connect them almost like a, like a, like a blue, not a blueprint. What do we call it? Um, anyways, you know, with the triangles and the, if this and else, and you know, yeah, I think, I think it's like scratch or something. What was it? I think it's called uh, scratch possible. I forget they have all the, they had so many products, but, but you still had to know how to code. And it, it really like when you actually exported and looked at the code, there were so many like files. It was just like, it was impossible to read. And or, or find where something was happening, you know? Yeah, that's like, that's one of the things that like we, we looked at it and we're like, how can we make it so that way people can just create a project and instead of having to like change a file structure to fit our format, can we just make the editor like understand what we're doing? So we've gone through like every project that you create, uh, if, you know, with Angular at this for, uh, for the moment, it knows how to understand it because it knows how to understand Angular projects and knows how to understand, like, if I'm in an HTML file, render this stuff out. If I'm in a CSS file, here are the specific utilities that we can uh, work with. And it doesn't really care how everything's structured out. It just knows on a file-by-file -file basis, which is uh, a lot more powerful and easier to work with. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that because, you know, it's like all this all the the kind of how things have changed over the years you know with all the different frameworks and javascript and you know version six and all these different things that have come out like we're still just creating registration pages for the most part and people are just buying stuff online we're not you know outside of gaming we're not really doing anything that we haven't been doing since the days of the web so let's right. see how, how can we make it easier <laughs> like 90 percent of the apps that are out there are basically crud apps yeah. We're just we're just updating records in some database and deleting them. We're not doing anything overly overly fancy. So, like, just make the simp that part simple, and then everything else eventually will fall into line. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's I was like, how could we just get something to low code or no programming at all? Let's let's program ourselves out of a job, Mike. <laughs> eventually, just AI will come in and destroy everything and. We'll be out of the jobs living in the forest. There you go. Well, at least I, at least I know how to fish. So I'm, I'm ahead of 90% of the environment here. So. That, that's important to know how to fish, how to sow, and how to farm. That's right. Um, cool, man. So I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, give us a plug. How can we get, find out more? Uh, get in touch with you if we need to. Yeah. Um, I'm basically M. Hartington on the internet everywhere. Uh, see the real original first initial last name. Um, I post a lot on Twitter, GitHub. 
um, on the Ionic forum. If you want to figure out what we find out what we're doing with Ionic uh, Ionic Framework on Twitter, uh, we're pretty we're pretty vocal about what we do and post a lot of updates to keep everyone in in the in the know more or less. Right on. Yeah, and I just right before we popped on here this morning, I got an email from you. I got your weekly email. <laughs> I saw it coming out. Yeah. Oh, geez, I wonder if he's gonna if he's busy and he's gonna cancel. No, it's just a weekly email. <laughs> no, just just an email. Just making sure everyone knows what the community is doing. Nice, nice. All right, Mike. Well, hey, thanks for being on the show today. Um, appreciate having you on and getting getting to know you. And uh, love what you guys are doing for the community. And really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been awesome. Cool.